All right. Well, good morning and happy new year again. Morning. Good to see everybody. Well, uh, we're starting in Second Corinthians today, and uh, as you can kind of see on the the front of your folder, did everybody, did everybody get a folder? There was a couple left in here that somebody started writing in, but anyway. But uh, we're calling this series of being ministry minded, and uh, we're using a couple verses. Just that uh, is it. Chapter five. What is the the uh, the key verses for? Yeah, from Second Corinthians five fourteen and fifteen. And our, our our main point is that we need to quit living unto ourselves, but unto Him that died for us and rose again. So, uh, you know, that's really hard to do, isn't it? To be ministry minded and not think of ourselves. Just by nature, we think of ourselves, don't we? And we, we're we're selfish by nature. And so, uh, really, even as you uh, watch the news, uh, you know, I think most people, if not everybody, would agree there's a little bit of a crisis at the border. But, you know, all those people need Christ, don't they? What if God was allowing them to come into our country so they get saved and hear the gospel? And So anyway, if, if, if we just begin filtering uh, our thoughts and what we believe through through God's word, uh, we'll, we'll just become ministry minded. And uh, you know, uh, I, th- I think it's also I think it's in Ephesians where it says to walk circumspectly. What, what does it mean to walk circumspectly? Uh, washing all your surroundings. Yeah, we have what we call peripheral vision, don't we? And uh, I think of when Peter and I think it was John, they went into the gate beautiful. They, they noticed a lame man there. <laughs> I can almost just picture, you know, I actually went to Jerusalem, so I, I can picture the the eastern gate there and them walking through the gate beautiful. And this lame guy is laying there. I mean, he just maybe caught him out of the corner of his eye and God pricked his heart. That guy needs, needs help, you know. And so anyway, it's just... Uh, I want us to just try to be all of us be more ministry minded this year, and not to think of ourselves. So, uh, be turning to the book of Second Corinthians, and uh, I think I said our custody. We're going to start up here this year. Oh man! Uh, Aura or I guess Angie. If, or you, would you rather have me have them read first? Yeah, I didn't. Let's look at Second Corinthians. Okay. Uh, Chapter one. Yep. So we are right at the beginning of the book of Second Corinthians. All right. What am I reading? Just the first uh, two verses. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in all Achaia. Grace be to you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So there's a lot. This is kind of what he, you would call his greeting. Is that called a salutation when you? So these first two verses are kind of his greeting. And so who is Paul? He is an apostle. And I was trying to pull up one of these maps. See if it'll see if it'll open. Maybe. Is it apostle above the disciples? Apostle Jesus, seeing Jesus. Yeah, there's some 
Well, and they also seen him. It's kind of seen him from the baptism till uh, his resurrection. So, so the apostle. It, uh, and I tried to look this up, and I couldn't find it very good. But it's where we get our. Does anybody know what word we get from this word? It's from a Latin word, missio. What do you think that might be? Missionary. So that was our first blank, is just the word missionary. And I think I can show you. I think this is kind of interesting. Yeah, I was looking this up this morning. I don't know if you guys can see that. I don't know if you can see uh, this Greek word for apostle in our Bible. It's in there 81 times, and it's it's translated apostle 78 times, and messenger twice, and it's actually translated he that is sent one time. So that's pretty cool, isn't it? Uh, so if you click on that, you can see. Uh, there's the verse from John 13. It's just, uh, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. So, Pastor Lee would be an apostle? Uh, no, he's a missionary. So there's a little... If we, if we need to look at a definition, I can maybe pull that up next week of, of an apostle. But... Uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, so when Jesus uh, called his twelve to him, whenever he sent them, that that's when they become apostles. His twelve, uh, and so Paul is called the apostle that's born out of due season. He was kind of like the thirteenth apostle. He's the apostle to the Gentiles. So, but then he says that uh, that he's right. Who's he writing to here in verse one? He's writing to the Corinthians, the church of God which is at Corinth, and all the saints which are in Achaia. So, and that's the surrounding area. Yeah. That's everybody, he's saying. Yeah. That's what I was telling you on the phone that one day. I am not going to be able to pull up a map. That is so weird. Achaia is like all of Asia. I mean, it's right there. <laughs> But uh, oh, is that, oh, it's on a cloud account. Okay. Maybe. I should have opened it before I came today. But now I gave you a definition uh, of not only the the word Corinth, but also the Church of God. And this is I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Church, but there's some churches that call themselves the Church of God, and this is where they get it from. But uh, the. I give you a Bible definition of church. It's called a a called out what? Who said that? Teresa. Yeah, where's my... And so... uh, 
you know, some churches are called the Assembly of God, right? The Assembly of God. So that uh, that's uh, that's kind of what the word means. And I gave you from Acts fifteen fourteen is a, kind of a good Bible definition of the church. It says, Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. So it's that taking out, God calls this assembly to himself. So anyway, it's really uh, cool to see that. And I, I, I showed you there... Uh, if everybody can look at their hand at it says church in the New Testament this called out assembly of believers is mentioned 115 times in scripture and 88 of those times in the Bible uh, the Bible refers to a group of believers gathered in a local assembly rather than referring to the global body of believers so so that that's kind of interesting uh, about 75 or 77 percent of the time like uh for example i'm trying to think um I guess maybe not a good example in here necessarily, but whenever uh, Carol, let's use Carol. You're you're new, so we're going to pick on you. Uh, you were saved recently, uh, less than six months ago. Yeah. You gave your life to Christ, um, and uh, so when you got saved, you became a Christian. You 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 are put into the global body of Christ for every every believer. Uh, in the world today, you became a Christian, didn't you? Yes. And uh, but so when you got baptized, uh, you identified with this local church. We, we the phrase local church is not in the Bible, but you you begin to become identified as a Christian who's a member of Heartland Baptist Fellowship. Yes. And so that's that's the distinction. So like seventy five percent of the time in the Bible, when it, it talks about the church. It's the church at Ephesus. It's the church at Corinth. It's the churches at Rome. And so, uh, so, so most of the time in the Bible, it's, you know, so that, it kind of helps those that say, well, I'm a Christian, but I just talk to God while I'm at the lake. You know, I don't go to church. So, you know what I mean? The reason you're supposed to link up with a local body is mm-hmm. uh, you have accountability. Yeah, there's yeah, there's definitely advantages. Yeah, there's there's fellowship, there's accountability, there's areas of ministry. You know, uh, yeah. So uh, anyway, I just thought that was a, a cool thing to bring out. And so then he gives them this Achaean greeting in verse 2. He says, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And whenever he says grace and peace, uh, that the order is kind of important. I think there is a few times where it mentions peace and grace. It mentions peace first, but... Uh, my, my teaching point is peace is the result and proof of salvation and grace is the means of salvation so we must be saved before we'll have peace and uh, 
I remember, I know I've told this story in here, but some of you may not have heard it. Just, I, I really feel like, and, and usually after someone becomes a Christian, I ask them, you know, do, do you have peace now? And most of the time people feel like there's been a load lifted. There's a, there is a calm. There is a, a joy that, that they have. But, uh, when we were, in uh, Russia, I, w- I was in uh, Russia uh, over 9/11, and we were going street to street on these dirt roads in this little village, uh, Ratumka village, and so uh, it was me and Mike and our translator because we didn't speak Russian, and uh, we just noticed a guy underneath his white van over here is kind of a beat up. Uh, panel van and there's some legs sticking out so I said let's go witness to this guy and so he come out from under and he's a big guy he's bigger than you Kevin and uh, so we try to share our faith with him and and uh, he tells our translator that his church tells him not to talk to people like us. And uh, his, his name is Dimitri. And so I, I just looked up at him. I said, Dimitri, do you have peace in your heart? And and the translator told him that. And he just hung his head. He goes, knit. <laughs> It was it was really just like that, honestly. Broad daylight. He's got he's trying to under he's trying to undercoat his so he's like got like tar on his hands. And anyway, we tried to follow up with him and share more. But anyway, I just feel like that is almost like the acid test for Christianity. Is do you have peace in your life? And uh, if you're saved, you you will because that that joy and peace is really not. Contingent on the outward circumstances. Yeah, yeah, you can. You almost got that glow about you. Well, this next section, uh, Aura, would you read three through seven for us? Blessed be God, Heaven the Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of comfort, who comforted us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For us the suffering of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounded by Christ. And where we be afflicted, it is for you consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the endurance of the same suffering which we also suffer, and where we be comforted, it is for you consolation and salvation. In our heart, of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the suffering, so shall ye be also of the consolation. Good job. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Well, uh, when he says there in verse, in verse three, that he says he's the he's the father of mercies. And I think one other place that it mentions that it it, it, call, it calls a uh, 
the word yeah the word offspring. Is that a group? <laughs> Probably not the same. Um, and so he's he's telling how that God is the Father of mercy. So he, he's mercy is like his offspring, and he's also the God of all comfort. And uh, let's look up. Well, I'll just give you this other blank. Uh, but let's all go to the book of Lamentations. Give you a minute to find that. The book of Lamentations. But it was really cool. Last week, the last time we were got together, we talked about a manifold. And uh, it just happened this week. I was reading in Nehemiah, and God has manifold mercy. I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, right now we're going to look at this word comfort. If we can find the book of Lamentations. After Jeremiah. Yeah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. And uh, are you there, Jaime? Are you there in Lamentations? Would would you read verse 9 and then jump down and read verse 16? Jaime, uh, chapter 1, Lamentations 1, 9. Yeah, chapter 1, uh, verse 9. Lamentations 1, 9. 1, 9, isn't it? Yeah, 1, 9. Fulfilled in season her skirts. She remembered not her last end. Therefore she came down wonderfully. She had not comfort. O Lord, behold my affliction, for the enemy hath magnified himself. Yeah, and I, I want you to see that uh, this this woman has no comforter. Now, now go down to verse 16. And read verse 16. Not 116, yeah. All right. For these things I, I weep. Mine eye, mine eye runneth runneth down with water because my because the comforter that shall relieve my soul is far from me. My children are desolate because the enemy prevail. Yeah, so the prophet Jeremiah is weeping like water's running down his eyes and it's because his people have no comforter and it, it says that the comforter which should relieve my soul and so uh, if we're going when we you know God give his holy spirit to be our comforter and, and it's a relief of the soul and and hopefully we've all experienced that uh to where uh, you know sometimes it's the word of god you know we just lost uh, franny you know this last week and uh you know you want to comfort the family and uh, I did a little 
I think there may be more ways than this, but I, I look at three different things that the Bible says comfort. One is the Holy Spirit comforts people, and uh, the Scripture comforts people, and uh, saints comfort people. You you can comfort one another with with His Word. So anyway, uh, I have a friend that used to uh, do uh, ministry at, at the hospital. He would go visit a lot of sick people and... And that was kind of his... He said, if God is the God of all comfort, then if this person is going to be comforted, it's going to have to be from God. And uh, that that's where we need relief. I mean, a lot of time we have physical infirmities, but uh, ultimately the comforter is a relief of the soul. And so I wanted to give you that uh, that definition. And so in the, in the verses that uh, uh, Alma read... Alma, Aura. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so back back to Second Corinthians now. Um, he talks about consolation here a lot, and when I read that, I think of like the consolation prize. But uh, yeah, it, it is. And so what I put in my hand, it's kind of the reciprocal of suffering. So yeah, you're you're if you can if you're consoled, you're not suffering. It helps in time of suffering. And so really, what Paul is saying in those few verses there, uh, he's saying you know God comforted us in our tribulation. He did that so that now we can comfort you or anybody that's uh, in time of suffering. I think uh, what, what's going on is. Uh, Tim Timothy got sick, and the people of Corinthians were worried about him. Mm. And Paul was trying to console the people of Corinthians, so sent sent him back, even though he needed him there, just so they could have peace of mind, so he could have peace uh, of mind. I, I think you're right. Maybe was it Timothy or Titus he sent? It, it, yeah. it was one of them. I, I read it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I read something similar. Um, so so God's grace, His comfort, this consolation, this mercy. When we receive that, uh, so God God doesn't just do that for us, so you know we can be happy. He does that so we can share it with others, doesn't He? So that that is His point. And remember, remember we said that about Job. Job, a lot of the reasons he suffered was no fault of his own, but but Job ministers to us to this day because. He uh, did not curse God with his mouth, but he rather he blessed him. And so we can uh, learn how to suffer better by reading the book of Job this, this many years later. And then uh, in verse 6 that our read, I want you to pick up on two little words, this word as and so. So look at verse 6 again. Uh, verse 7. Yeah, it's verse seven. That's what I meant. Does it? Yeah, as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation abound. There, it's and Jim, maybe you're picking up on that. Just it's almost like a uh, if-then type of thing. Contrast. But that's how a lot of yeah. So yeah. So God is teaching. See, yeah, I just like as this, then so that He's trying to teach us something we don't know by showing us something we do know. 
look back a couple pages to the left at 1 Corinthians 15.22. Jim, I'll let you read that. 15.22 of 1 Corinthians. It was just one page back in my Bible. 15.22 is... For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Yeah, so it's the same thing. As in Adam, everybody is going to die because uh, he he fell and he sinned, and we have his nature. Uh, but if we become saved in Christ, we're all going to be made alive again. That's that's the new birth. That's the born again. So, uh, and then then one more. Uh, let's go clear back to First Peter. I didn't put these on your handout, so if you want to write to me, I, this was kind of, a, and I think I may bring this up later. I think this same thing happens in later on in Second Corinthians. But look back at First Peter for right, right now. First Peter four. I think I looked up. You know, I, I probably got twenty some references where this as and so happens, but. Uh, Larry, you don't have your Bible open, do you? Uh, we'll jump. Oh, the other Larry. We'll go with you, Larry Onweiler. Fourteen, or yeah, fourteen. Okay, fourteen says, as every man. Hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as God's stewards of the manifold grace of God. Yeah, so right there, just as every man has received the gift, if we receive the gift of eternal life, we need to minister the same to one another. So there's that word as and so again. Anyway, I, I like that. That's kind of cool. So. Yeah, and it's got the manifold grace in there. Alright, back to Second Corinthians. We're doing good on time. My hope is probably just to still do uh, maybe take two weeks per one chapter so we don't need to go too fast. But in verse 7 I wanted to point out also that this word partakers so I had you put partakers in your blank if you're filling out your thing I couldn't spell it for a second so uh, just that word partakers is in there I just thought uh uh, my note is just humility always comes before being exalted and he, he says he says this that if you're partakers of the sufferings you're also going to be partakers of the consolation and so I, I thought that was yeah that's that's pretty good alright well on the back the back part of your uh, handout my teaching point was just that you know Paul and Timothy suffered through no fault of their own so that they could minister to others in their time of suffering. 
so that's a, a good section and he'll he'll uh, elaborate on that in this next section but uh, verse 8 uh, Carol you want to do verse 8 for we would not further have you ignorant of our trouble which comes into us in Jesus, that we were prized out of measure of our strength, and so much that we despaired even of life. Yeah. And he used this word ignorant. Now if someone called me that, that would, that would be offensive, wouldn't it? I mean, nobody wants to be... You're ignorant. But in the right context, it probably shouldn't be that offensive. Just It really just means that uh, they're uninstructed, they're uninformed. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of... Uh, Angie is somewhat ignorant of, of what I do at work. In Spanish, she says something like, uh, don't feel like, uh, don't pass away what we're trying to tell you or something like that. Okay. Something like that. It's not meaning the person, but it's meaning the knowledge. Right, right. Oh. Yeah, they're on Yeah. They just doesn't know, yeah. Yeah, I think I think what he's trying to say is in a specific area. Back then, they, he would say, "Be not ignorant of a specific area." And we're today, we're so all or nothing. We say, "If you're ignorant, you're just ignorant." Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's a good. And it's interesting. Paul does that seven times. One time I studied out the seven times he says that. Uh, I've got them listed there. Uh, well, we've turned it into a bad thing. I mean, yeah. Like not knowing a fact, not knowing who they say your ignorance is expensive because it's like you're saying, I don't know nothing. Yeah, it's not, it's not saying you're stupid, but you just... I have no clue. So yeah, I had just the word ignorance. Uh, Paul's warning against ignorance on your handout. This little table here, and uh, there's a reference there where he doesn't want people to be ignorant of salvation. And uh, one of the I've heard a preacher say this one time that uh, it's something that could be known. That they were unwilling to search. You, you know, Job said something once. He said, "The cause that I knew not, I searched out." And so, uh, it, there there is certain things that we should not be ignorant. We should search them out, shouldn't we? We there's things that we can know that we're willing. I think that's the issue: is they're will, will, being willingly ignorant. And uh, so anyway, just going down through that little list there, he don't want uh, believers to be ignorant of the mutual faith and the fruit in Romans. He doesn't want us to be ignorant of God's righteousness, but rather submit to it. He doesn't want us to be ignorant of Israel's restoration. And uh, that's a big one. we might look at that here in a minute. Uh, don't be ignorant of Israel's example. Don't be ignorant of spiritual gifts. Don't be ignorant of sufferings of God's people. That, that's right here what we just read. And don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. And that, that'll be, uh, 
in a couple of weeks, but don't be ignorant of the rapture. That's from First Corinthians four or First Thessalonians four thirteen. But look at the chapter two eleven. We go ahead and read that. Uh, Pat, is it your turn? Second Corinthians two eleven. And it says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, but we are not ignorant of his devices. Yeah, so he's he's saying we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. And uh, that's in the context of forgiveness. So he he's saying that's one of the devil's devices, isn't it? That people not forgive one another and he'll, he'll get division in there. And uh, so Paul said, hey, we're not ignorant of that. I'm, I'm thankful you forgave that person. I forgave that person too. Pride of life, probably. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, it would be that that part of the manifold. You're right. I'm supposed to forget. Huh. Yeah, it's harder to forget sometimes. You don't want to forget. Huh. You don't want to make the same mistake. Yeah, I need to learn. That's true. That's true. Twice is okay. Through time, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> well, it says there in verse eight, and this is one of my. In verse eight, it also says this uh, trouble which came to us. And uh, if you look a little further down, do you, do you see that little et down there? Little et. Do you remember what I said that? Well, that's the enemy's tactics. And trouble comes to God's ministers. And so, I don't know if you ever really thought about that. I can see it maybe better in other people's lives than my own sometimes. But if you're doing right and you're suffering for the Lord, trouble will come to you. When it comes to us, It we don't necessarily have to seek it out. We, we can do things that, you know... Uh, you know, make trouble for ourselves when we do things uh, foolishly. But uh, I just wanted to. It, Paul says that trouble came to us, and so <clears throat> he don't want uh, other people to be ignorant of of how that works. All right, verses nine and ten. Brian, you want to read nine and ten? Yeah. But we have the sins of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. But in God which raises excuse me. But in God which raises the dead, who delivered us from so great for so great a death, and God delivered, and whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Yeah. So he 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 he's saying that God comforts us in all our tribulations, so he's explaining to us, you know, why we were in Asia, trouble came to us, and it really forced him to see who are we trusting in, doesn't it? When 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 we're being tested and we're being uh, persecuted or trouble finds us, we have to decide who we're gonna trust in. And uh Brian, can you can you read that quote that's on my paper there? I thought this was a good testimony from this missionary. Uh, says um, James Calvert was en route to Fiji to preach the gospel to cannibals when the ship's captain said you will risk your life and all those with you if you go among such savages James' magnificent reply was we died before we came here (laughs) so yeah he he died to self and he's like God sent me there so if if I die I die and uh, if I live I'll 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 trust the Lord there too. So I thought that was pretty good. So trials force us to choose who who or what we're going to trust in. 
and uh, can't trust in our money. The Bible calls money uncertain riches. We uh, can't trust ourselves. We can't always trust others, but we can trust the Lord. And uh, the Bible says that uh, the Lord stood with Paul when nobody else did. So, all right, verses eleven and twelve, uh, Pamela. You also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. For our rejoicing in this, the testimony of our conscience, that is, simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshy wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in us. Conversation in the world, more abundantly, abundantly to you. Yeah. Now, uh, I want you to key on that word "conversation" you just said. Uh, what, what do you think that means, Pam? We've had our conversation in the world. Before we were saved. Yeah, it's like what you said, Pam. You said it's what we say. We think of conversation as like what we're doing right now. But it's also your lifestyle speaks. Look over to Ephesians. Hold your place here and look at Ephesians chapter 2. I was thinking it was the fact that you were unsaved at one point and you had your conversation, but then you got saved. Yeah, yes, that is that is what we're saying. Uh, in fact, Pam, why don't you read that chapter two of Ephesians, verse three? I'm not there. <laughs> That's all right. Tracy, you got it? Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the rest of the flesh of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Yeah. So yeah, we, we've all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh. So we, we've acted and spoken things uh, according to our own pleasure. But what Pam read in Second Corinthians, he says that we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you. Word. So he's saying now... Uh, you, you know how we live now and you know how we act you know what we say so that's good um, yeah and so I, I introduced this on your handout this ET and MP this ET is that uh, this enemy's tactic is trouble that comes to God's minister and the MP is the ministry principle is we have to trust in God above ourselves before we can help others to stand in their faith and that's what it says at the end of this chapter that uh, at verse 24 at the end it says by faith ye stand so anyway we, we need to have uh, some measure of victory and some measure of uh, trusting the Lord ourselves in order to help others so I, th- I thought what we do here uh, in the time we have remaining is look at this 
in in verse 11 that Pam read it says ye also helping together by prayer I thought we would just talk about prayer for a minute uh, for a few minutes Uh, what do you think he means there helping together by prayer Joining them in prayer. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. They. I mean, they're trusting God that they're. He has helped them, and he 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 said there earlier that uh, that uh, we trust that He will uh, deliver us even yet, uh, something like that. So. Uh, so prayer helps. I guess that that's that's the point of it. And I'm going to pull up this, and you've got this on your handout, but I listed, uh, I did this a while back, just reasons that we don't, the top ten reasons for not praying. And, and I, I bet everyone in here would, would say, yeah, I don't pray like I should. Uh, maybe not, hopefully not. It might just be me. I know I know. Okay. <laughs> You ain't, you ain't wrong, brother. <laughs> okay. So I, I am trying to be more intentional uh, this year. And uh, someone pointed this out to me once. Just uh, Our flesh doesn't necessarily like to pray. There's, there's really no glory to praying. You know, you're not going to get a pat on the back for praying. And... Uh, it says there in Matthew 6, you guys probably all know this, just when we pray, we should go into a closet so that your Father in heaven, which seeth in secret, will reward you openly. And so uh, we should have some, we may not have an actual closet, but you may have a time or place where we do pray. And uh, Paul's saying that it helps. He, he's like thanking them. Thank you for praying for us. Because we've been trusted in the Lord. God has delivered us. And now that we're comforted, we want you to be comforted too. And so it's reciprocal. It it uh, And it, it, it binds them together there. And this second one here, uh, it takes time and effort to pray. I mean, we don't really... Uh, you have to be intentional, don't you? You don't just pray by accident. Um, and that, that verse there is when they're in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, you know, they fell asleep when Jesus told them to watch and pray. And He comes back and He finds them asleep. And He says, well, you know, truly the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so, uh, you know... I don't I knew a guy that uh, said he he would you know stand up when he prayed so he didn't get sleepy or you know you can do little things like that to maybe uh you know help I don't know if if you have any examples you want to share maybe about that or well, well I pray pretty much all day long like I'm talking to um, people think I'm crazy sometimes, but <laughs> usually there's nobody around me. No, yeah. And I'm just sitting by myself, so I'm communicating. Uh huh. You know, uh huh. Communicating. Yeah. And then a lot of times I have to be purposeful, that's why I call you every day. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
and it, and usually Kevin, before we get off the phone, he he'll say, "Let's let me pray for us." And uh, so, no, that that's good. Uh, any any other thoughts? Just I think these things are true. So there's a certain discipline we need to have. And number three, there is we really don't believe that God will answer. And uh, that, that verse is where it says, if, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth liberally and abradeth not. So the Bible tells us that God wants to give us wisdom and he's not going to chastise you. You know, this is the tenth time today, God, I've asked you for my hip not to hurt. He, <laughs> right? I mean, that's okay with God. He, he's going he's gonna to give liberally and abrade not. He's not going to say, well, Steve, you already asked me that. You know, you just got to go through it. It's kind of like a bridle for a horse. Uh, I think it's a little bit of a rebuke. Yeah. Like, why do you keep asking me that? So God's not like that. And then number four I put, we really don't believe that God hears us. And uh, let's look at that. I think it's where if we ask Him in truth. So, I mean, if we have you know, an ulterior motive or if we're not... If we're asking for the wrong thing, then uh, what are you thinking, Larry? This Larry. I'm thinking number. I'm thinking number four pertains to me. Uh huh. And actually, number three and number four pertain to me. Okay. Because for the simple reason, I've asked God for things. Mm-hmm. You know. And I was waiting for an answer, and he never gave me an answer. Did you pick up your Bible and read it? Yeah. Uh, huh. I did so. Yeah. But, you know. That's something we probably all wrestle with right there, Larry. I appreciate you mentioning that. It's just like, you know, put down here, so we don't really believe that God hears us. And if I, and if I pray about something, is he hearing me or mm-hmm. not? Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's hearing me. Yeah. There's only one reason that he wouldn't hear you if you have unconfessed sin. And then, okay. I, ain't got nothing, I ain't got nothing to hide. Well, let's read that verse there. Who's got that Psalm 145? I can't. I got it. All right. Uh, the Lord is nigh to all them that call upon Him, to all that call upon Him in truth. So, so He is near, or He is nigh, and to all them that that includes you and me both, Larry. To all them that call upon Him in truth. So, so that that is where maybe Kevin is right about reading God's Word, and you know, am I asking? For the wrong thing, or if I got an ulterior motive, you know, like God help me win the lottery, you know. That, I, mean, I don't get in a word like I should. I should be getting into it every day. Well, you're you're getting discipled, and I bet you're getting into it more than you did before you were saved. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know. 
I may not be getting into it as much as as much uh-huh. as, I, as much as I should. So, so one thing that that may help, and and I don't do this as good as I should yet, but uh, you can pray scripture because scripture is truth. So maybe maybe read some out of the Psalms, Larry, and just pray back what David or whoever the psalmist is praying. Just uh, and a lot of times that's what Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah and uh, Hannah. There's two or three. Dan- Daniel's got a good prayer. There's people that prayed and they're reminding God of His promises, like Lord, we're Your people. And uh, I know one time when we were going to the the plaza area to hand out tracts on the street. Uh, I don't know if it was me or somebody prayed, you know, uh, Lord, just have your Holy Spirit go before us and uh, convict people of, of their sin or need for you. And, you, you know, that, that's a Bible prayer because the Holy Spirit does reprove the world of sin. So when you pray truth, then you have confidence that your God hears you and that He will answer. And, and, and those of you that have been through discipleship, what, what are the three answers God gives to prayer? Yes, no, and then not yet. So it's either yes or no, or, but it could be a not yet. And uh, there's an example where Paul prays that his thorn in the flesh be removed. And God God told him no. He said he prayed three times. And God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. And so after Paul got the answer of no, God's not going to take away this thorn, he began to rejoice in that infirmity of his flesh. He, he's like uh, thankful for it. So anyway, these are good things to talk about. Uh, that's an example of whatever is in our lives that we can't get rid of. God can take and turn around and use them for His good, mm-hmm. even if they're meant for bad. Yeah, yeah. Because we can turn around and teach somebody else how yeah. to do it. That's good. Yeah. Um, well, the, the next one there, number five, this is what someone brought out, that uh, there is sin in our life. And usually, if, if, you're, if, you do, or if you are sinning willfully, you're not as apt to pray. But that Psalm 66, 18 is one of our memory verses. It, it says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And so that was a, that was a pretty good uh, example of that. And then uh, the number six there, maybe we're not truly thankful. That That is the, uh, Luke 17 is the story of the ten lepers that were cleansed. And you remember just, just the one returned to give thanks or give glory to the Lord. And so, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, whenever uh, our, our pastor, uh, Brian, you know, is acquainted with, you know, like Pradeep Lima and Ganesh and uh, Rajan and India and Nepal and, and, uh, he, uh, uh, it really adds some perspective if you've never been to like a third world country because we just take so many things for granted and, um, you know, that, when we were there, that they had 20-some people in their Bible Institute, and they all slept on the floor in this room, and they slept there for a, they would they would like be at the Bible Institute for a month, and then go home to their families for a month, and 
one guy walked 24 hours to get there and he, he like killed animals on the way and he brought them for food and it's just it's so it's so foreign to you know sitting here in comfortable chairs and and literally I, I kid you not one meeting we went to literally there were over 70 people in a room this size and they would put the kids in the back and they'd make them sit cross-legged and then they'd scoot the kid into their in between their legs and they, they packed like 70 some people in a room this size and they didn't make a sound the whole time me and Brian were preaching and it was just uh, and they're sitting on the floor right? and they're sitting cross-legged on the floor I mean uh, so Anyway, sometimes uh, some of our prayers are a little bit uh, relative, aren't they? It's by uh, comparison. It could be things could be a lot worse, right? So, uh, number seven, uh, we become self-sufficient. Uh, our needs, our needs are met, and that Revelation three is where the the church at Laodicea were uh you know they they thought they were rich and increased with goods and in need of nothing but when god looked at him and he described it he said you're poor you're wretched you're miserable you're blind and you're naked and so uh sometimes we get uh, too satisfied and we become complacent and we're we're not praying as we ought uh number 8 there we don't see the urgency uh, that procrastination, and if you're familiar with Luke 16, that's the rich man and Lazarus. Yeah. And uh, it says, when the rich man died, he was in hell, and in torment, he he lifted up his eyes and he tried to talk to Father Abraham, and he wanted Lazarus to come touch his, uh, wet his lips with water. And uh, at the end of that. He said, well, can you send somebody to my brother? He's actually praying for people to go talk to his brothers so that they don't come to hell. And so that that's pretty interesting. And they, this rich man, he procrastinated. He thought, you know, I'm rich and I have need of nothing. And But when he got to hell, that's when he began to pray. That's pretty wild, isn't it? Wasn't that no. Abraham's bosom, right? Yeah, that was uh, the the Lazarus was in comfort in Abraham's bosom, and the rich man was in the hell part. And then uh, I put number nine. I don't know if these are all these are just kind of my words that we don't pray know how to pray as we ought, and that's what Romans says that uh, that we don't know how to pray as we ought. So maybe we don't. Uh, pray because maybe we don't pray as we ought so maybe that's where we all need to start praying some psalms back to the Lord isn't that where the Holy Spirit comes in yeah the Spirit makes makes utterances that we yeah yeah. so yeah my my, uh, brother Matt's not in here but uh, Matt and I are discipling and uh, he'd probably be embarrassed if I told you this but he he uh, doesn't maybe like to pray, and so when we were discipled, I just asked if he would pray for us, and it was just real awkward for him. But he just gave it just a good, sincere prayer, and so anyway, uh, it was just really sweet. So sometimes we, like you're saying, Teresa, even if we don't know how to pray as we ought, we should still pray, and the Holy Spirit will. So it might be, uh, you know, Lord help my hip, but God hears, you know, Steve, you need to go through this longer so that 
you know, you learn to walk better or something. I don't know. When I went to visit uh, my neighbor's family for Christmas, uh, they're Catholic. They all had the same prayers. Like they would all pray in unison. The whole family would, and I felt left out today. And what they were saying, yeah. Oh, really? Was was it like Latin or something? No, I just didn't know what they were going to say. Oh, okay. Pray along with them. Everybody else had the same exact words at the same time. Yeah. All these little crosses. Yeah. That's not necessarily a good thing. They all pray the same. Yeah, they do. That same words. And then this last one, just uh, maybe we don't think it's a uh, important or priority. Uh, we don't value. Um, and I, I put my prayer won't make a difference. So that was your last little blank there, the word difference. And uh, Emmett, we you haven't read yet. Can you look up the James five for us? James five sixteen, I think it is. Yep. That's the only reason I remember it. The singing? Hebrews James. <laughs> there was a giant too. His name was Philemon or something. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Confession calls one to another and pray one for another that he may be healed. Yeah, so this the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So it it does make a difference and it it is effective. And so it does it does make a difference. So anyway, I tried to add some Bible to each of those things and hopefully it help us all to pray better, pray more fervently, pray more often. And uh, any other thoughts as we went through those? The reason prayer works really well too, especially if somebody knows that you're praying for them, is because your mind is a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you already think it's going to happen, then a lot of times your body already, like say it's a, like an injury or something like that, mm. your brain can. can mm. uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think there's even some studies done about even prayer in hospitals, and it it is it does help. So I don't like to use the word placebo. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, well, let's hold up there, and uh, maybe uh, Kevin, why don't you pray for us as we dismiss today? Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I just uh, want to lift up this group as uh, we came in here to uh, hear your word spoken. I just ask that we take away from it what we needed and just uh, leave the rest behind. And I ask that we uh, go out of here and into the, the next service with uh, with open hearts and, uh, and uh, just uh, hear what's uh, needed to be heard. And um, I just pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, hang on to your folders, and we'll see you next next Sunday.